Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hello, hello, hello. This is Deb Tomorrow of Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. And we are going to hop to it today. Now, I lie. I, I say that like we're going to get right into real estate, but we're not. Because you know we're just going to chit-chat for a while. So I am joined, as usual, by Karen Rastel, who is the best dame lender in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Hello. Your hair looks very pretty today. I didn't burn myself doing it. I knew you should have told me because we could have Facebook Live because you're you're having a good hair day. No, we're never going to do that again. Not that you have bad bad hair days, but your hair looks like... No. A little pretty today, but Thank anyways, you. okay. Uh, also joined by Rachel, who is going to be posting things as we go along on today's show on Facebook. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, check in, comment, like, all that good stuff, share. Um, there's some good, valuable information. There's actually going to be some really valuable information, I think, today. You know, I, whenever I'm coming up with topics for the show, I go back and think over what, you know, was going on the previous week. And it seems like right now I'm sort of in, I call it inspection hell. And I shouldn't probably call it inspection hell because that's just sending out to the universe that it's going to be a horrible experience. Okay. I would wanted to interject and say, I thought inspection hell was typically around the springtime when like it's raining a lot mm, or well, the snow is melted yeah. and then you have water everywhere. April is inspection hell for okay. sure. But also, you know, it's really interesting because I've talked to some other colleagues and many of us have this going on. We go in these cycles where you're, you like sell a bunch of houses at once. So a bunch, I mean like, you know, say five. At once, and then that means that all your inspection deadlines all kind of come up at the same, same time. time. And so you sort of just go through these phases where, and like, then there'll be a period of time where you're sort of just sitting around waiting for everything to close, and then it hits again. And uh, someone had said, well, that's because you, you can tell when you're working. <laughs> like, yeah. when you're working, you sell a bunch of houses, and then when you're not, I don't know why that happens. But anyways, that's where I am right now. Lots of inspections going on, um, and I thought we should talk a little bit more about that. So we are going to revisit that. Um, but I know right now everybody in our world, in Bloomington, Indiana, Monroe County, Indiana, is completely preoccupied with back to school. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm like deer in the headlights. I don't know. What yeah, we, Mom. I was thinking I-69, no. construction, no. roads being no. shut down. No. Okay. County fair, horses escaping. We can't talk about the county fair. I did not tell my son that it was going on. <laughs> this will be oh the my first, God, really? Bad mom. We've got football practice just started. Dude, what did you tell them? They canceled the fair this year? We've not said anything. Okay. That's what that's what Legoland trip on Friday okay. is for. All yeah. right. I know. You have, you have another vacation to go before uh, you go back to school, but I know there are... Um, uh, Edgewood, which is one of the local school districts, starts on I think Wednesday, and then uh, like tomorrow Wednesday, yeah, okay, the third, uh, no Thursday. I'm not sure. Second way, something like that. And then I don't have kids. Can you tell? Uh, and then the other school district that your son goes to starts next week. Yes, crazy. It is. Yeah. So you know, I was wondering, like, what is that? I was wondering if people wonder, wonder if people wonder what that does to the real estate market. Because it does kind of slow down. I know in our market, um, the last two weeks have been really quiet. Like as you drive around town, mm-hmm. we're not in a big city, but you know, you drive around town, the streets were quieter. 
Yeah. Yeah, everybody was on vacation. It was not. Well, yeah. Are yeah. you saying that because I wasn't here? No. So the I'm glad you're back. crazy person flying down the street was no longer in right. town. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, but anyways, so it does, I think, back to school, like those couple of weeks before and after until everybody sort of gets their schedule situated. Well, that too, they, they want to get slow down. settled either prior to a school yeah. year starting or let's get the kids started yeah. in school and then let's yeah. resume the house, house searching. And I know so many school districts have gone to this balanced schedule because I know there were schools up in Indianapolis area that went back to school last week. Yeah. Did your niece go back last yeah. week, Brownsburg? Yeah. Avon. Mm-hmm. Avon, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it kind of reeks a little, changes that up a little bit. So, I don't know. And we all just sit around and go, I remember when summer break was 16 weeks long. and Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Oh, we had a summer, but they don't do it anymore. So, anyways. All right. Before we get started on the inspection stuff, I have a quiz for you. Because I thought we haven't done a quiz in a long time. We haven't. We haven't. Now, for the listeners out there, I was just letting Deb know yesterday, I believe, that she has a listener who is uh, who was asking me some questions yesterday and, and, and asked, which podcast should I listen to? And I said, well, they're all really good. I go, I, you know, I was giving him some, but I said, I go, I have no idea what the topic is. I go, I think she likes to torture me secretly. <laughs> I show up and then here we are. We're having a quiz. We haven't, you aren't running a quiz. Okay. But I want to tell you, because I'm going to tell you, I did not score a perfect score on this quiz. Okay. So, can you get a perfect score on this fixer upper quiz? She almost, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Almost did a spit take. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I did not. Here we go. And I'm a little bit in pain because of that. I got eight out of nine. Mm, all right. All, all right. right. So, my, my goal is to beat Deb. All right. Let's go. go. Where does the show primarily take place? Multiple choice. Uh, Weatherford, Texas, Waco, Texas, Westland, Texas, Walnut Springs, Texas. Waco. Very good. All right. Easy to start with. How did Chip and Joanna meet? He came into, oh, you got to give me the. Oh, there's, there's choices if you want them. But I mean, if you want to power through, I mean, I'm no, not giving ahead. you bonus points for that. But Go ahead. In an impound lot Joe's father owned after his car was towed. In the auto shop her dad owned when he went to have his brakes fixed. Yes. Or in a flea market Joanna nope. and her dad would go to every Sunday. I'm going to choose letter B. In the auto shop her dad owned when yes. he went to have his brakes fixed. That is correct. Yeah. No, that was a good one. Um, how many kids do Chip and Joanna have? Four. Two, three, four, five, four. Good job. True or false? Chip, and this one's silly, Chip and Joanna hardly ever have to call the homeowners because of a problem. That is false. That is false. See, these are pretty, so I was going along feeling pretty confident. Okay. Thinking I can get nine out of nine. Okay, Mm -hmm. so here's where I fail. Okay. Okay. What style do they use most when decorating the homes? French country, rustic paradise, what's that, a cozy country, or contemporary modern? I would say the majority is cozy country. Okay. That is wrong, and that's the one I got wrong, too. <gasps> okay, it's probably like the... It's French country. It's not French. Where is it French? No. We're in Waco, mm, Texas, people. Exactly. Okay. Bonjour. Okay. Uh, what university did both Chip and Joanna Baylor. attend? There you go. Good job. Don't even need the choices. What's the name of Chip and Joanna's company? Magnolia. Yeah, Magnolia, Hydrangea, Orchid, or Lilac. Okay. Um, I thought you wanted me like the, the true S-Corp name. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, I don't know about that. Uh, true or false, Chip has eaten a cockroach on the show. Yeah, true. Have you seen that one? Maybe. It is true. How many remodeling options does Joanna present to homeowners who have extra money in the budget? 
three. Is that right? Wait a minute, I hit the wrong thing. Yes, I think you are correct. So you got eight out of nine too. I don't feel so bad now. Oh, I thought I was trying to get like nine out of ten. No, what kind of quiz only has nine? I don't know. I'm you, get, you get a point for showing up. No. All right, so nine out of ten. So Good French job. country. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, Rachel, can we research that, please? Yeah, we need a... Okay, we're going to fit Rachel, the uh, same associate the producer S- in the state of Indiana, on that because I don't believe that. If this was the SAT or the LSAT, I would say, no, we need to we need to argue that one. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so there you go. There's your BuzzFeed feed quiz. And when all I right. retire, when I grow up, I want to write quizzes for BuzzFeed. Because it doesn't seem like it takes a lot to do all right so i did a a couple of shows on inspections do you remember those yes because that was back i had to look it up june 7th and june 14th of last year that was a long long time it was about 50 shows ago that was a long time ago yeah and here's what we talked about on those shows i had to go back and kind of uh, revisit so we talked about um inspections in general and more of a general terms and particular like the principle of inspections um not actual things found during inspection, but um, how sellers can, or how sellers can prepare, but um, what's the purpose of inspections, um, how do inspections play into, you know, contractual obligations, uh, how do you get the most protection from your inspection experience. We talked about how home inspectors are certified um, and what smart sellers and buyers need to do and plan for. Um, and then we also talked, I think at the beginning of that show, I said, now I'm going to do another show here real soon. <laughs> and, and and did and did you and, and we're going to talk about specifics of you know inspections and what you see and what's common and yeah, so we're finally there. <laughs> <laughs> well, fifty shows later, I think a lot of times though that it does things like that can bleed into the weekly show. Oh because sure, sure. We bitch about crawl spaces all the time, right? I do. do. So, yeah, we obviously talk about it. So it's a long time in coming, I know. But here's the show um, that we're going to talk about the actual things found in inspections um, and really just kind of the top things. What I wanted to talk about were the things that show up on every freaking inspection report. Um, I've probably been through about 500 inspections in my career. Okay. Um, so that's a lot of inspection reports to read. This will be good for me as well as a lender because um, most of our loans, we, we don't require yeah. a copy of that inspection right. report. So while that's happening on your end of things with the buyers, I, we have no idea. Right. Exactly. So I want to preface this by saying that um, I am not a contractor. Don't believe a word I say. This is completely useless. You probably shouldn't even listen to the show, right? There's a line in our purchase agreements whenever I sit down with clients and go over the purchase agreement that talks about like environmental hazards. And if you have concerns about any environmental hazards in the show, in your, in your, in your home, you should, sorry, I'm mixing up words, in your home, you should consult an expert. Right. And I always interpret that and explain that to people as this paragraph says, I know nothing about nothing and you shouldn't even listen to me. Why are you even talking to me? I'm completely (laughs) useless. I'm not an expert in anything. I don't know a thing. So that's my preface on this show. What I'm going to share with you today is just sort of what I've seen. I'm going to share with you a little bit of research and, you know, some references. um, But that's a disclaimer. So don't listen to me if I say something isn't a big deal because it doesn't matter because guess what? I'm not living in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to you to decide what's a big deal. It's up to you to do your own research and to ask your own questions. So I'm going to try and kind of temper my opinions, but that's probably not going to work very well. Probably not. Uh, you'll definitely be able to tell by the tone of my voice. <laughs> I always tell my clients, I'm like, I can't answer that question for you, but if you read my 
facial expressions, you'll know exactly how I feel about it because I don't hide that stuff well at all. Um, So that's okay. So that's my disclaimer. So if you're a buyer, I think this is a great show to listen to because it's going to help you put in perspective your inspection. Uh, It might help you understand uh, your options and how to deal with, you know, the things that come up on your inspection. And if you're a seller, my gosh, I mean, this show could help you prepare um, for selling your home. You know, we have talked about pre-listing inspections so many times. And I have to say this year, I've had so many sellers do pre-listing inspections. I'm and a happy it's girl. probably made the I transaction go a lot smoother. I am a, a happy, smoother. happy girl. I know. It's an amazing thing. We have gotten through uh, transactions without having to do any further inspections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have been able to handle issues up front. Um, I mean, it's just, it's been amazing. And so, you know, I don't know if I need to say it again. Preach it with me. Pre-listing inspection. Pre-listing inspection. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that we talk about today may not might not be an outright deal killer, some of them are kind of small and simple. But there's a lot of things, if there's a lot of things like this in the inspection, like a lot of little things, it can make a a jumpy buyer. Sure. I I could definitely feel that. I would be one of those people if I would see like 15 things listed, but they're all very minor. Yeah, but still you'd be like, whoa, what's going on with the house? I'm looking at quantity of items versus, exactly. yeah. And, you know, in today's seller's market, we've got kind of extra jumpy buyers because they're paying over list price. Like the one I talked about, I think it was last week or week before, they paid $1,000 over list price. And then they asked for about $15,000 worth of stuff and inspections and said, well, we paid over list price. I'm like, we paid $1,000 over list price. That's not equal $15,000 in repairs, but it makes them jumpy that, you know, they've paid over list. If if they can negotiate down a price, sometimes they're a little bit more laid back on inspections. So not necessarily deal killers, but these are things that can just help everybody feel um, better about the home and have a smoother transaction. So we are going to hop to it when we come back from break. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
follow the movement, meet guests who are shaking things up, call in, and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to real real estate today to reach deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show please send an email to deb at real real estate today.com that's deb at real real estate today.com now back to this week's program all right thank you for coming back we are talking today about inspections and the most common things that we see on inspections Most of them aren't huge deals, but certainly would help out a transaction if you're the seller to address them ahead of time uh, and not muddy up the report. Um, So I wanted to touch briefly on why we do an inspection. Um, I think we do them because someone's told us we have to, right? No, that's not why you do an inspection. You know, it's funny because uh, Brittany, our friend Brittany, who uh, works at a title company, she's Mm -hmm. been on the show before. She was saying to me that she was doing a closing the other day and they were talking about how they didn't do inspections. And she was like, what? People buy homes and don't do inspections? Like she, that was just mind boggling to her. And I thought, just keep that attitude, girl. I just want you to do that, you know. Yes. But it certainly, it certainly happens. It's not required, but yeah, I am shocked when that doesn't happen. So no one requires you to do an inspection. One of the most common uh, mix-ups I see is people are trying to talk through their real estate transaction. And it's totally fair because it's a foreign thing. It's not a real estate transaction isn't something that normal people do on a daily basis. So I expect people to kind of mix up terms and terminology and not really understand that's totally cool. But they sort of mix up that inspection and the appraisal. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, they are two different things. And Karen, as a lender, what do you want your involvement regarding the inspection to be? I don't want any involvement <laughs> with the inspection. Yeah. And so it, unless your lender is asking for a copy of it, do not provide it. And then you will every now and then have someone that says, oh, I have this. Do you want this? Here it is. Or, and the answer is no. Like, right. don't give us more than what we're asking right. for. And my response to people to explain that always sounds super shady. And uh, so I need to work on maybe a better response. I say, well, the lenders don't want to think they're putting a mortgage on something that has issues. And that's true, but then it sounds like we're trying to hide something from the lender, and that's not really now, the case. Here it is. Here, here's what it is. Unless a loan program that you are doing, if, if it doesn't require the inspection, do not provide it, because what happens is is that underwriters can view items that are minor mm-hmm. in that report, which is sometimes 40, 50 pages long. And could make it a condition that it's repaired when it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Or you had it worked out. Exactly. So unless someone needs, unless your lender's requesting it, you do not need to provide it to them. And here's an example. If you were to write something into a, a purchase agreement... That has to do with the cur- the condition of the home. Correct. And it could be something minor, but you notice when you go through the home that there's a burnt spot on the kitchen countertop. And you uh, negotiate into your offer, hey, that that burnt spot gets fixed. Mm-hmm. Then your lender 
is going to all of a sudden be sticking their nose in that business and, say, and making sure that it got fixed and they're going to want to see pictures of the one with the exactly. appraiser denoted or whatever. And you are going to overly complicate your life right. in a way that you don't need to. So anyways, don't go there. My perspective is that an inspection serves two purposes. One is that it protects your investment, um, you know, making sure that there aren't any hidden defects or safety hazards or that, you know, it's going to um, not going to fall in uh, on you. You know, the foundation's not going to fall in or something like that. But the other half is that it's educating yourself about the home. A good home inspector welcomes you being there, standing over their shoulder, asking them questions. Um, they'll tell you things like how to change the furnace filter and how to improve the lifespan of your gutters or your furnace or whatever. Um, and the home inspector, once you there, it makes them feel smart. I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. Well, we also had a mutual friend and client that the first house that she was looking at, that you couldn't access the crawl space. So her inspection couldn't be completed, I guess. I can't remember all that because mm-hmm. that was, you know, she's already bought a house since, but... That that was a clear indicator that although the home looked gorgeous on the inside mm-hmm. and the outside, we, they couldn't get underneath to see what was going on. And yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, you know, I always tell my clients, no one makes you to get a home inspection. I will certainly judge you if you don't do one. Um, there are very few instances where I might sleep well at night. It's all about me, right? I keep me up at night if a buyer doesn't do an inspection. You don't, this is not where you want to cheap out and don't rely on the disclosures. This was another story I shared uh, last year that I had a gentleman, he called on one of my listings and I showed it to him. So I was the only realtor involved in the transaction. There were tenants in the property and they had been in there for several years and um, he bought it, decided he didn't need to do the inspection at all. You know, I was like, here's home inspectors. We built in an inspection contingency. He decided not to do it. And a couple of weeks after closing, he said, I found all these electrical issues and they didn't put it on the disclosures. And so he wanted to know what recourse he had against the sellers. It's like none because they didn't know they weren't living there and they're certainly not electricians. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- that becomes one of the challenges. The seller says, well, I've been living here just fine for, you know, X number of years. And all of a sudden, someone comes along and tells you all the things that are wrong with your house. And you're like, I thought I was living comfortably. Right. You know, right. I, did, I didn't realize that, you know, right. I was in a death trap or whatever. Um, so anyways. Uh, and I also want to touch on this idea of major defect. Um, and this is something that can vary by contract and by state. So you want to talk to your realtor in whatever state you're in. In Indiana, the contract we use talks about the concept of major defects. And those are the reasons why you could potentially cancel a contract. Um, because something, a major defect comes up in inspections. And so those are the things that we're really looking for in um, in inspections. And those are things that are either health or safety hazards um, or might have a negative value, a negative effect on the value of the property. So say, for example, you buy a property and it has a swimming pool and then you find out that there's a crack in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. That may not be a health or safety or habitability issue, but it's certainly going to have an impact on the value right. of the home because it has this massively defective swimming pool kind of thing. Um, or uh, if it shortens the lifespan of the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we're going to talk about the number one enemy of the home. The roof? We're going to talk about this is my cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. All yeah. right. Let's you know re- it. Let's you re- know it quite well. Oh, good gravy. Okay. Okay. So, but anything <laughs> that shortens the lifespan of the home, sure. so it makes it deteriorate quicker than it would normally. So those are the things that we're looking for as she just slapped yourself yeah. on the forehead and said, oh yeah, how could I forget, right? Yes. Um, so what are the typical things that we see in a home inspection? Uh, the first thing I want to talk about are some electrical issues because I see these 
all the time. So you'll have to go home. I'm gonna you're gonna have a homework assignment now, Karen. Because I'm gonna no. have you go home and check your check your outlets. So there's a few electrical things that we see all the time. The biggest one are GFCIs. Okay. Do you know what that is? I remember once someone telling me what that is. And then you said, I'm a lender. I don't want to know. No, I, I was listening. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense right now. And then right. like, you forget. Yeah. I've got this great article here that explains it. But even when I read it, it still doesn't quite make sense to me. It to do with a grounded circuit or something. Something like that. Okay. Right. Um, a ground fault. GFCI is a ground fault circuit interrupter. I got two words out of the four. That's pretty good. 50%? Yes. I bet Joanna Gaines would have gotten all four. Um, a ground fault is an unintentional flow of electricity between a source of electric current and a grounded surface. Without protection, electrical shock can occur if a person comes into contact with an energized part. So, for example, if a person is holding a damaged electrical cord from a hairdryer and touches a plumbing fixture, they could be electrocuted. They would certainly get a painful shock. So, if you're in a newer home, you're going to see these GFCIs in the bathrooms typically. It's the little more square outlets and they have the little button that says test and reset i'm literally doing a few yes yeah. i have all those okay. In my, okay okay so those are gfcis what's interesting to me and what a lot of people don't realize and what creates issues with inspections especially in our market uh, is that the um, rules on when these gfcis became code and became standard have changed over the years And so they didn't even become required in houses until 1971, and that was only on certain occasions. And one of the links that Rachel's going to put up has this handy-dandy chart, except it's too tiny and I can't read it because I'm old. (laughs) I was, like, looking at it. I was trying to, like, do, like, on my phone, like, widen it, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's paper. I can't widen it. Yeah. Um, But so in 1971, they started requiring it in uh, swimming pools. And then, for example, it wasn't until 1978 they started requiring code, started requiring GFCIs in garages and 1987 in kitchens um, and then 2014 for dishwashers. So here's here's my point. If you have a house that was built in 1965, is it fair to expect GFCIs up to today's standards, today's building code? Mm, I mean, it is fair that you need, yes, if I had an older house, I'm thinking about my mom's house right now, uh-huh. which I don't think she's ever done any major remodeling like that. Right. I would be scared to look at her electrical right. stuff. So the question is, what's fair to require of a seller in that kind of situation? The house was built to code at the time. And I hear this all the time. This is one of my, my, my big pet peeve. It won't pass inspection. People go, well, it won't pass inspection. I'm like, there's no pass or fail. It's just whether you accept the house or whether you don't accept the house, basically. But there's no code police, right? They don't change a building code and then start to go door to door and be like, you're out of code and make people fix it, right? I mean, I think that's what people think is like when a code changes, then the houses all need to comply. No, it doesn't work like that. So if you were built to code, you know, buy a 1927 house, whatever was code, which probably nothing in 1927, Technically, it's fair because you know you're buying a 1927 house. Mm-hmm. If you're buying a house that was built in 2017, I certainly expect the latest and the greatest of code. Um, but um, like I said, there's no one going door to door condemning homes if you don't meet a recent code change. Um, but here's what the general uh, rule of, of uh, for inspections is. And I think this makes a lot of sense to me. So you tell me what you think. Um 
if, let's see, I'll find my notes here. If a kitchen in the, of a 1950s house has been remodeled and receptacles have been added or moved, they should be upgraded to GFCI if that's what current code requires. And this applies to bathrooms too. Does that make sense? It does make so sense. So if you have done updates, the updates need to be uh, done to code at that time. So right. don't cheap out there. Right. Um, what we see a lot in Bloomington, and because of we have a lot of older homes, is uh, three-prong outlets mm-hmm. that aren't grounded. Okay. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but ground wires, There's usually if you open up a, a modern outlet, there's three wires in there. Well, I don't go opening them up. I'm going, but you I'm know going to saying. believe you, yes. <laughs> what happens is in older homes, there was just two wires. There was no ground wire. Okay. Okay. That's fine. We weren't running like massive high-powered uh, electronics and things like that back then. Um, but people want to update their outlets, just the cosmetic outlet, and it's hard to find two-prong outlet covers to replace so they go, oh, I'll just put the three-prong one on, and the ground hole, that third hole, I just won't connect it to anything because mm. I don't have anything to connect it to. Right. That's a shock hazard. I wouldn't have known that. Because it gives a false sense of anything I plug in has uh. been grounded. Mm. That's what a home inspector is going to tell you. So that becomes an issue, and I will tell you, this is probably one of the cheapest things that you can fix uh, proactively as a seller. So, uh, yeah, something definitely to think about. Um, and then uh, also just like things like double-tapped wires and overloaded wires and electric panels. I couldn't spot one of those to save my life. Yeah, I would. But a pre-listing inspection could and help you address them. Um, and like I said, none of these are really deal killers, um, but they certainly can help just things go a lot smoother and help there not be misinterpretation or disagreement on how something should be addressed. All right, that's your electrical, and uh, I'll say it again. I'm not an electrician. I know jack about electrician stuff. So don't believe what I say. Just erase that whole last 10 minutes from your memory. Uh, But come back because we'll talk about more stuff I don't know anything about. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back as we talk through inspections and I told you everything that I don't know about electricity. Uh, I have high respect for uh, most electricians. So um, here's another one that I see all of the time and it's it's not silly because it's important. Okay. But I always just kind of skim over it. And it is the um, spindles on stair rails or porch railings. Oh, so like kids can't stick, stick their, their heads, heads through, through them, right? <laughs> yeah. So they always say, um, you know, they're more than four inches apart, I think is the rule. And so I was doing some research to find out like what code was and uh-huh. how you handle this in an inspection. And I found this, I had to read it because it was it cracked me up for some reason, but I don't know, I could have been drunk this morning and that's why I found it funny. Um, it was a home inspector and he posts on a home inspector um, like message page asking okay. for advice from other home inspectors. And he says, I'm inspecting a condo um, built before the four-inch stair rail space was added to code. So that's a newer thing where the spindles can't be closer than or can't be further apart than four inches. So what would the verbiage uh, be um, if the house is being sold to senior citizens? Are they required to upgrade the stair rail? <laughs> And I thought that was really funny because they were like, um, it doesn't matter who you're selling the house to. Like all these people kept chiming in and going, what if the senior citizens have grandchildren? Like you don't, you don't put out different rules because, well, you're 80 and your head obviously won't fit. You know what I'm saying? It was ridiculous. But anyways, um, and this was the other thing. The first guy, his name is Joe Funderburk from Hickory Gove, South Carolina. And, and his little, uh, what's that called? picture avatar uh-huh. is uh is Hugh Hefner no that's not <laughs> Hugh Hefner. That? oh my gosh that's what it looks like no it's here. the guy from the godfather oh I've anyways. never seen the godfather but okay. I, yeah anyways he says so the question is you know are they required to upgrade the stair rails this is the home inspector asking if the seller is required to upgrade the stair rails and the uh, godfather guy says no one is ever required to do anything a home inspector recommends 
That's, I'm like, exactly. That is true. Thank you very much. Brilliant point. And I would also think, too, that that home inspector should also have a capacity or a competency to know that type of thing, kind of like with appraisers. Yeah. So appraisers have to have a, a, a low, like locality as well as understand, you know, what they're doing. I, I don't know what I have to ask my, my appraiser friend, like what that's called, but it's a it's a competency oh, requirement yeah. that they have yeah. to have. I would think that that's the same with home inspectors. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the, the so the Godfather guy says the location or he says, you know, the stair. This is what he writes. The stair uh, pickets do not conform to today's commonly accepted standards. The pickets should be spaced no more than four inches apart for child safety. And that is what we recommend, especially if small children will be present. Brilliant. I can live with that. Right. You know, but that's, yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny that they were like, are they required? I'm like, are you a brand new home inspector? I don't know. Um, But uh, that is the kind of thing you're going to see on an inspection report. And again, there's two things going on here. One, remember that... um, if the home was built before that code was put into place, and I don't even know when that code was put into place. I mean, that's a local thing. It probably varies by locality. It's not necessarily not code. It's not mm-hmm. to today's code. I think that's the key word. It's not to today's code. doesn't mean that the house is going to fall down around you. It just was built under different standards. Um, but the other thing is just to remember, you don't have to address everything. You have to kind of use common sense. Are you going to, if you're the buyer, are you going to ask the seller to like, take out the whole stair railing and replace it? No. Please don't. No. And I never have had anyone ask that. And that's, you know, the kind of thing one would hope. I mean, if they're crazy wide apart, you might see that while you're looking at the house. I always encourage, bring your toddlers. Let's check it. Let's test it. Whenever any of my clients have their kids with them, I'm always like, do you want to test the stair rails? They're like, that might be a good idea. Parents of toddlers get it. Any of your kids ever stick their heads or anything? No. There you go. No. And if they did and got stuck, I'd be like, hey, yeah, you should have stuck your head in there. I'm sorry. There's a really funny YouTube video of... There's a this, kid on a porch. Yeah, 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 he's on the front porch. And he's like stuck. We'll and it's like all of a sudden, you know, everyone's panicked and this goes yeah. on for a few minutes. Right. And then he, he I, however he got in, he got himself back out. He went back the other way. Yeah. He went, his body was so little. Yeah. He actually passed his body back through the stair rails instead of his head. Yeah. Like his ears and everything just made his head bigger than his body. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he got in there to begin with. Well, I think he went that way. And they finally went, how'd you get in there? And he just like walked around the entrance. <laughs> oh, kids, you got to love him. All right. Let's talk about, oh, I don't know. I guess we have to talk about this, right? The biggest thing, it's on every single, every single inspection report. Yes, I'm not going to blurt ever. it out because I think I know the answer. This one? Yes, I'm not going to... Let's start with an F. Um, She's going to... I was going to say furnace. Oh, no. No furnace. Okay. Every single inspection report ever. Slope. Oh, of the house? Mm, Well, not of the house. (laughs) No. Hopefully the house doesn't slope. No, no, no. The the, the ground. Yes. Uh, A home on stilts would not have enough slope away from the house to satisfy a home inspector. I'm convinced. It is on every single inspection report I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, And that's because dirt settles. And it's not something that is on our routine, you know, maintenance to add dirt up against the house. And it's funny because we'll see houses that are like four years old and people think it's in great shape. It's a four-year-old house. That's when we see it the most because all that fresh dirt they had piled up 
it's all settled down now. And uh, a lot of times you get this negative slope. So we've got some great resources that we're putting out on Facebook um, that talks about how you measured the slope away from your house. Not that people are stupid and can't do it, but I thought it would be helpful to have a job aid there to help people. When dirt slopes towards a house, it encourages water to come in. It encourages the soil to hold the walls, which can compromise the foundation, and it's just not good. Um, but it's more than just piling up mulch or loose dirt against the house, um, you know, because, A, you don't want to pile it up against the siding because then you're going to end up with termites, and that's a bigger problem. Um, but, B, you need to kind of watch it over time and keep measuring it and keep working on it because um, dirt just continues to settle. So the appropriate slope is at least six inches within the first 10 feet of the house, which apparently mathematically translates into a 5% slope. I trust people on that. I didn't do that math. Um, Let's see. I had some articles. Oh, I was going to encourage everyone, go check now. We'll wait here (laughs) on what the slope is away from your house. But um, that grading thing is just so huge, uh, and it's so easy to fix. And the problem with grading and the next thing that we're going to talk about is that if you're not doing it and you're not kind of keeping an eye on it and taking care of it, you end up with such bigger problems mm. with you know water in your crawl space, potential environmental issues with mold in your crawl space. Um, have you ever tried to fix a sill plate? You know what a sill plate is? No. It's like the wood that your house sits on. So they build like a foundation wall and then, and this is Indiana construction technique and I know they do it differently in other areas, but um, they build a foundation wall, whether it's poured concrete or, or block, and then there's a piece of wood that sits on top of that. That's the sill plate and then all of the upright supports get nailed into that. Okay. That's a non-contractor way to explain it. I if you're a contractor out there listening right now, feel free to laugh at me because I'm laughing at myself. Uh, those get rotted out when you get moisture and you have to like lift the house up and try and slide these boards out and put new ones in. It's not fun. No. And it's not cheap. And it's going to jack up your drywall inside the house. Um the other thing that water can do down against the foundation is actually push on your foundation walls. Um, hydrostatic pressure, you can Google that. I chose not to <laughs> to, to pull up any articles on that because I knew I'd really sound like an idiot at that point. But I've seen it, and that's the kind of thing. I mean, it's overflowing gutters and uh, slope. Okay. Nine times out of ten, that's what your moisture issues are in the crawl space. Unless you are built over a, an underground spring or a house that has an unusually high water table, it's that surface drainage. Um, that is just so very key. And that, my friend, is the number one enemy of a house. Just water in general. Water in general. But yeah. I would have never known that that was on every single Every single one. Every single one. Every single one. I would yeah. have thought the ambiguous, uh, the furnace is, you know, X number of years old. <sighs> which then always scares somebody yeah. if you're getting up into some higher numbers. Right, so, right. Um, no. Uh so that and then uh, gutters. So gutters and downspouts. Gutters are never clean enough. Downspouts never go far enough away from the house. Your, that is true. Your downspouts need to go at least six feet away from the house. Yes. Now, my friends, this does not have to be a huge project either. I know people think, well, I might have to dig a trench. I might have to bury it and blah, 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 blah. I mean, certainly you can put downspout extensions onto your gutters and they're ugly and you have to mow around them. I found these really cool ones, though. And this is what I love about it. Here's a solution for you that's like $12 per downspout. So, you know, maybe 50 bucks for your house. Okay. They have, a, the picture didn't print out. 
and hopefully we can maybe get it up on Facebook. Uh, I'm not, I sound like I'm a salesperson from Menards, but they have these downspouts that can go up to six feet and they're multi-directional. You like pop them on the end of your gutters and then you can flip them up for mowing. Oh, my God. Like they fold up and you can just kind of flip them upright, do your mowing and then put them back down. Brilliant. I want to meet that person. Right? You're speechless. It's I, so brilliant. I, I am speechless. Yeah. Because I know what those look like. Yeah. And I know that sometimes not every homeowner gets it up properly. To and mow the, around them. To yep. mow around them. Mm-hmm. And then they end up mowing partially over it. Yep. And then it kind of cuts into yep. it. But. But yeah, it is a it's a quick fix for sure. Yep. All right, we're going to talk about one more thing when we come back that I see on many, many, many inspection reports, uh, and um, and and then a few other things briefly. We'll see how fast I can talk. So we'll be right back. Uh, this is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. <laughs> Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to RealRealEstateToday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are talking about inspection stuff. What do we see mostly on the inspection reports or what are kind of the, the top few things that we see over and over again? We've talked about electrical issues. We've talked about spindles. Uh, we've talked about that idea of, you know, is it code when the house was built? That's sort of an appropriate expectation. Or if updates were done, was it code when the update was done? Um, water, as we mentioned briefly before the break, was the number one enemy of a house. Think of the Grand Canyon. No, I I had that in my house. I know, but I'm saying, <laughs> think of the, I mean, the Grand Canyon was caused by water. Mm-hmm. That shows you the power of water. It destroys wood. It causes concrete to crack. It can create environmental and health issues with mold, and it's sneaky. You know, it sneaks into all the cracks and the crevices that nothing else can get into. So that's, you know, that's a huge thing. And that's why I've been talking about gutters and downspouts and um, uh, the slope away from your house and that kind of thing. 
But to change subjects a little bit, I wanted to talk about one last thing, um, which I see a lot. And I don't know if you have any of this on your house. I don't have it on my house because my windows are 100 years old. Okay. So I don't have a problem with leaky window seals. I do. um, Because... I only have one pane of glass and then I have storm windows. Um, But leaky window seals is something that we see a lot. And especially in homes that are 10 to 20 years old. And there's actually a reason for that. Um, So if, yeah. Do tell. I know, right? Um, So if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's when you see these foggy glasses uh, in the windows. Mm -hmm. So, and that's because there are two panes and there's usually some sort of gas in between the panes and that helps create a thermal barrier and it helps create uh, improved energy efficiency. And the seal on one of those will break and collect, not break like you don't see it broken. It just sort of leaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I found in one of the, in a little bit of the research I did was that, hold on, I got to find it. I was going to say, if you would have told me, I could have brought you a picture of my patio doors. Right. As oh, well as yeah. my, yeah. So even if windows are perfectly constructed, the gas is going to escape at a rate of about 1% a year. And it's just going to happen over time. So if you think about it, if windows are 15 to 20 years old or even 25 years old, you know, your house was built in the 90s or something like that. You know, those windows have been escaping and they are probably 20 to 30 percent if they were perfectly built. But honestly, most windows aren't perfectly built. And Mm so, you know, less perfectly built windows are good. That gas is going to escape at a higher rate. So what do you do? Is it a big deal? Um, I don't think it's, to me, it's more a cosmetic issue um, that you can't see great through it. That's what drives you crazy, right? Well, I start to think is, you know, what's going on? Are we losing heat in the Mm -hmm. wintertime or, or you know what I mean? Like, is it making it more expensive to heat my home or to cool my home? Let me ask you a question. Have you seen a huge increase in your heating bill since the windows started leaking a few years ago? If uh, I would have to ask my husband, <laughs> I don't look at those, but right. I mean, we are in the process of getting our, our doors replaced, yeah. but it's part of something else. I thought, thank goodness, because now that entire part of that patio door is going to be, like you said, you can't even see out of it right, right. now. Well, one of the articles I read talked about the, um, the R value. You always talk about R value as a way to measure efficiency, right? So you put insulation in, it's up to a certain R value. I couldn't explain it to you any more than that, but that's what it is. So they're saying that typically the R value on these windows is like a four. And when the seal breaks, it goes down to about a two. And when we're talking about insulation in attics, we're looking at R values in the 20s and 30s. So it's pretty, you know... What a lot of the experts are saying is that it's really mostly, unless you live in a really, really um, tough climate, okay. but fairly moderate climates where most of us live and it's, you know, we're not living 50 below kind of thing, you're probably not going to see a huge spike in your energy bills. Um, it's just going to be more of an annoyance. Now, first thing to do is check your warranties because a lot of these windows do have warranties, but they're 10, 15, sometimes 20 years. I promise you that when the seals start leaking, that indicates that your warranty is up. Probably. Yeah. Um, Because they've probably done the tests and they know these seals last about 10 years. So we're going to offer a 10 year warranty because they probably couldn't stay in business. um, If, um, and you know, the other thing to think about in terms of the efficiency is, is it all of your windows? I, I don't think I've ever looked at no, all of them. No, but it's probably not. So say you have 20 windows in your house, and you might have three or four. You know, that exponentially decreases, you know, 
your chance of having huge mm-hmm. electric bills or, or um, gas bills, heating bills. I'm going to go home and check that tonight. Okay, you check that. Um, there are some specialty companies, and this is really interesting to me, that fix the cosmetic uh, aspect of it. So what they do is they take a little tiny drill and they drill a hole in it and they put these vents and they dry out that fog. They dry out that moisture that's in there. And then they just plug that up and you don't ever know. And it's a lot less expensive than replacing windows. And if you're not noticing a huge difference on your energy bill, it's probably not that big a deal, but it makes it so you can see through the windows again. I found a do-it-yourself kit, but I have it, it looks like it's um, being sold in the UK. It's called Get Out the Mist. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, that's basically what it is. You kind of have this kit on how to, to fix it. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And it does, you know, this article that uh, I was reading um, said it also has an echo-friendly bonus, which is that it keeps windows from landfills, which, you know, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. think about it as a lot, you know. So, you know, that's just something you kind of have to think about. Um I think as a seller, you know, you might want to figure out some ways to address it before it becomes real obvious to buyers. Um, But mostly it's for the cosmetic um, aspect of it. You know, you can leave the window as is. It's just if you live in a mild climate, you may never really reap the benefits that the double-paned low-E windows have to offer. It's just not necessary. We kind of all get uh, caught up in that hype, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter that much. So that's something I see a lot, um, especially in homes that are in that kind of 10 to 20 year old age range, which I think your house is, right? Mine's 12. 12, yeah. yeah. So right in there. Um, so that's something to consider too. Uh, let's see. I have a few minutes left, I think. Oh, two minutes left. There you go. Um, a couple other things that I see all the time is, Karen had mentioned the furnace. I mean, certainly there are always furnace issues and I always tell my sellers, just Get it cleaned. Make sure there's no issues because there's a drip. It's causing rust. And all of a sudden, you know, buyers freak out because the furnace is bad. Just spend the $100 and have it serviced and everything cleaned. Chimney boots up on the roof. That's another one I see all the time. And again, it's like 20 bucks to have a, a, you know, to buy a new chimney boot. These are like the rubber fittings that go mm-hmm. around pipes that go through the, the roof. And you know, it's up there, it's taking that sunshine beating on it with the hot asphalt shingles below it, and they crack. They dry out and they crack. Uh, they're really inexpensive to fix, but all of a sudden, if you've got a buyer involved in the picture, they're going to want a whole roof analysis. They're going to want this and that done, whereas if you just replace the roof, make sure you do it correctly. Um, and something else I've seen that is newer, I just started seeing this last year, but now it's on every single inspection report like Slope every single one, is that um, smoke detectors should be replaced if they are more than 10 years old. Yeah, have you ever replaced your smoke detectors? No, No, ours are hardwired in. Yeah, So, and I haven't replaced mine either since I've been in my house for 11 years. But that is now the new standard is that every 10 years you should replace the smoke detectors. And so home inspectors are going around. I think I started last year. I started to see that on every single hmm. home inspection report, unless home is less than uh, 10 years old. So, um, yeah, so those are some good things that we see uh, in all these home inspection reports. And also, at the end of the day, who who is the who owns that report? 
Who is the owner of of that report? At the end of the day, the buyer owns that report. It's up to you to share it with whoever you want to share it with. Um, But you want that home inspector working for you. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times buyers think, oh, I can put that in my seller paid closing cost assistance that get them to pay for the home inspection. You don't want that. You want that home inspector working for you. That's your report. And it really should be a document that you, um, you know, keep handy, keep in that kitchen drawer, go back to as you're getting ready to do home improvement projects and see if there's things that you can improve uh, your home on uh, so that when you do go to sell, you've been kind of working on things all along and have less to worry about. So a lot there. We probably could have done five more shows on this, but I, I can only take inspection stuff in small doses. So thank you so much for joining us this week. We are having an, a guest back next week. Jeremy from Shine Insurance is going to talk to us about how you file a claim because we didn't get to that. And I thought that was really important. And Karen, I think you might have a lot to add, even though you won't be here. Um, so you leave us your questions. Th- thanks so much. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and we will be back next week on Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.